Hello and welcome to the first edition of the Paddock Note Show brought to you by the Paddock Pass podcast. We are here in Sepang, Malaysia, Thursday, the first of this final triple header. I'm Neil Morrison and I'm delighted to say that uh, first time guest on the Paddock Pass podcast today, none other than Matthew Burt from uh, Dorna's commentary team. What an absolute pleasure and privilege to be joining you, mate. Finally get to make my, my debut. I do, I do feel like I'm a bit of a sort of 95th minute time-wasting <laughs> substitute here, but... Happy to uh, finally make it onto your great show, guys. The pleasure is all ours. The pleasure is all ours. Uh, you've had a very busy day today, Matt. Obviously, you uh, just flew back from England, right? Between uh, Thailand, you were back in England, then back out to Malaysia. Yeah, I feel like I've racked up a lot of air miles, spent too much time in planes. But yeah, I went home after India and Japan, then came back for the triple header, then went back home again to, uh, to Europe. Uh, yeah, finally ready, recharged the batteries and looking forward to this final three races because, you know, it's going to be pretty explosive. The championship is on the line. Bagnai versus Martin, Ducati versus Ducati. There's so many ingredients to what should be a, a belting end to the season. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's start there because uh, you were hosting the press conference today, of course, with the two principal title contenders, uh, Marco Bozzecchi and Brad Binder were also in there. But um, you were just telling me there, Bertie, that you saw both Jorge and Peko looking pretty laid back, a bit relaxed. They've obviously had 10 days to kind of go away and think about what happened in Thailand. Um, neither of them really showed to be, or looked to be under crazy pressure today. They didn't. I mean, I was quite surprised that they were exuding this sort of real zenness, r- r- real calm, especially Bang Yai. I mean, he's sort of been in this position before not identical because he was chasing quite a ride towards the end of last season but he's got that experience he's there are certain elements of last year i think that that peko can draw upon where he knows what it's like in that real intense pressure cooker situation but i've got to say hallway martin you know after that amazing win in bull we've seen on instagram hallway's been chilling living life on the beach in bali and he looked really relaxed i mean if either of them uh, are feeling any pressure at this crucial late stage of season they're doing an amazing job of hiding because they look very relaxed very 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 calm and not like they're fighting for the biggest prize in motorcycle racing at all, to be fair to them. They're doing an amazing job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely impressive stuff from uh, both those guys. I guess we could probably expect both of them to, to be up there fighting at the uh, at the front this weekend. But one of the big talking points, I guess, coming here is about next year. There's obviously one or two stories in the Spanish media after the race in Thailand, linking Jorge Martin to Enea Bastianini for 2024. Um, I guess today was uh, the first chance for a lot of us to ask Bastianini asked Martin, asked Bagnaia about these kind of rumours. Um, what what did they say? Yeah, I mean, we've been around this game long enough, haven't we, Neil, to know that sometimes there's no smoke without fire. And there has this story that's emerged that if Jorge was to win the World Championship this year, that Ducati would parachute him into the factory team. Probably, well, a seat we know that Jorge was desperate for this year. I think he's used the disappointment of last season as a massive motivational tool this year. He's channeled that negative energy into a real positive. And he talked quite openly about it, seemed quite chilled about it. I mean, it, clearly it's not really his decision. If he wins the World Championship, it gives Ducati something to think about. But he did pretty well at just deflecting and saying that's for other people to be sorting out, not me. Bastianini, I was at an Ayers media debrief and he got asked about it. And he, again, he seemed pretty philosophical as well. You know, he, he had that confirmation of the two-year contract in Mizano. There was nothing at all to suggest from looking at an Ayers demeanor or his body language today that he was really worried about his seat next year. And as you'd expect as well, Pekka Banyaya kind of 
um, tried to bat it out of hand. He said it would be very, very harsh on Anaya, given all the injury problems that Anaya's had this season for him to be bombed out of the team in favour of Jorge. But, you know, clearly it would be quite a, a big dilemma uh, for Ducati. Do they really want the world champion and the number one player if Jorge decides to go down that route outside of their factory team so it's just another real kind of fascinating subplot to what's going on on circuit at the moment yeah yeah would it be something of a poison challenge do you think for uh, Jorge Martin because we saw Anaya brilliant last year one of the stars of 2022 and it's not just let's face it it's not just been the injuries that have held him back there you could argue that he's not at his most comfortable in that kind of high pressure surrounding environment I mean maybe it, it's not the be all end all if you're Jorge Martin to, to get that seat I, I think Anaya is walking proof this year be careful what you wish for you know every rider wants to be in the factory team it, it seemed like the dream ticket didn't it I mean Anaya was awesome last year it was pretty obvious that he was going to get that ride over Jorge Martin just by the fact that he, he won four Grand Prix. but it has been a, a disaster I mean I don't think anybody saw just how bad it was going to be for Anaya Injuries aside, he just has not, it doesn't seem like he's really clicked with the team, with some of the engineering group. Certainly hasn't clicked with the bike this year. You know, I mean, Anaya's forte has always been great late breaking, corner entry. His strong point from previous years is now his weak point. He's talked a lot about this. I think he's running a thumb break here this weekend. He's, he's, he talked today about how he's really analysed and studied data over the last three Grand Prix to try and look at Peko and Jorge to see what he can do himself because. It has been a, a nightmare. From a personal point of view, I hope he gets another crack at it. I think it would be pretty harsh. But Jorge Martin is, one, he's hugely talented, and two, he's hugely ambitious. And if that factory seat becomes available, I'd expect Jorge to grab it. I don't care what he says about, yeah, he, he loves life. It's a great atmosphere in, in Pramac. It is clearly because he's thriving in that atmosphere. But you don't say no when a factory ride comes along. Yeah, yeah, and we spoke to Johan Zarco today and I asked him that very question, you know, could it be a bit of a poison chalice for Jorge? And he said, Jorge's mentally strong enough and so focused, he just comes into the garage and he's completely in that zone that he's almost immune to what's going on around him, immune to kind of pressure. So Zarco very much didn't think that um, that would have a, a kind of negative impact on Jorge should he go to the factory team next year. It will be interesting to see how this uh, develops over the coming weeks, especially given what's at stake with the championship. Another big talking point coming here, Matt, is uh, the the vacancy in the Repsol Honda garage. Um, again, quite a few interesting things have come up in the last week. Uh, Fermin Aldeguer, Moto2, most recent Moto2 race winner, uh, has been chief among them. And um, What have you been hearing today? Have, has there been any kind of development with regards to that? His name has been the sort of left field choice, hasn't it? The, the curveball. I mean, we've heard so many names mentioned. Miguel Oliveira, Maverick Vignal, there's Alessio Spargro, Fabio De Gian Antonio, established, proven, experienced MotoGP riders, which you kind of felt HRC were going to to go for it's impossible to replace Mark Marquez and kind of just out of nowhere I mean he's having this amazing run right now in Moto2 clearly there's a huge potential in the future for Aldeguer but is he really ready uh, for one of the, the most coveted seats on the grid you know this is this is still Reptile Honda they've hit real trouble times Mark Marquez is leaving we know that but it is still a seat on a factory Honda in one of the most successful teams in Grand Prix history. Depends who you talk to. I mean, Alexis Spargo is a very good friend of Ferminal together. Spent a lot of time just relaxing in Bali. And he says, if that train stops, you have to grab it. 
is he ready? It, it would be a huge risk for Honda to pick him and a huge risk as well for him to jump on a bike that's not very competitive right now. And, you know, some of the best guys in the world can't make that Honda work, including one of the best that's ever done it, Marc Marquez. You know, it's not like Aldeguer's jumping on an Aprilia or an Ducati where he knows it's like, you know, it's plug in and play almost. You know, he's going to have to learn. But it's a tough one. I mean, I'm hearing that it's unlikely. It seems like it's a, a name that's just been thrown around and banded around. From talking to a few people in the paddock, I still think they are going to go for the experience option. And I think the, the guy that fits the profile there is going to be going to be Didja. And listen to his media debrief here today in Sepang. He still sounds pretty confident that there's an avenue open for him in MotoGP next year. And it has to be with Repsol Honda. There's no other seats going. So could be a, could be good for Digio. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I spoke to one, well, one person at Honda that was telling me that it does not sound that likely that the, the Fermin thing uh, will happen and that maybe that was something that was just kind of <laughs> thrown around by uh, one or two members of the media. Um, no smoke without fire sometimes but then other times it can just be a bit of a, a bit of a shot in the dark so um just to back up what you were saying i also spoke to luca bosco's girl today fermin's current team manager moto 2 he said he hadn't spoken to fermin or his manager or heard anything about them going to moto gp so he said he wasn't able to give me any uh, confirmation on that but he did say that if honda were to go for fermin they he said it would be a crazy choice they were like he said that bike is broken lorenzo paul Spargro, danny pedroza and you're going to throw an 18 year old on there like that just doesn't make any sort of sense to him and you know the look of has a has a fine eye for for picking riders knowing when they should go into a certain seat so um i thought that was quite interesting yeah i mean it, it would be an almighty punt from both sides as i mentioned i mean you know hrc i guess they could look it from one perspective next year's lineup or the three rides that are locked in for them Mia, Zarko and Nakagami do have incredible amounts of experience so maybe now the time is right for Honda to, to roll the dice a little bit and just have a look at it. a young kid I mean look how it worked with Yamaha and Fabio Quattararo back in 2019 of course it's a different scenario because Fabio was able to kind of duck on the radar a little bit go into the satellite team there's very little expected of him it would be the same for, for Aldeguer, but as I just mentioned, it, it's Repsol Honda, it's HRC. There's, there's no hiding place when you're in a team that's that high profile. So it would be it would be a massive, massive shock. I'm not saying it's as big a shock as Mark uh, leaving HRC to go to Grisini Ducati, but yeah, it, that would that would be, I think, even something, a, a decision that's perhaps too left field for Honda, you know, Japanese manufacturers are famous for being quite reserved and conservative. You, you just would find it quite strange at this stage for them just to pluck a guy out of Moto2 and go, yeah, jump on this RC213V, which, you know, you might crash a lot on that next year and it's not the most competitive motorcycle to be to be throwing your leg over Moto GP right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fully agree with that. I mean, for me, clearly has a massive talent and I would completely understand if Honda were tapping up him up for maybe something in 2025 you know let's say he has a great year maybe fights for the championship in model 2 next year that makes sense then but yeah that's the thing. I mean that, that's the key thing and I think Alasia Spargo touched upon that Alasia actually was as ever really interesting in his media debrief and he was talking quite openly about Aldeguer said he hasn't been asked directly by Fermin for his input or his advice but, but like Alay said, clearly if he stays in Moto2 for another year, the, the kid's only 18. He's still got so much learning to do. 
but he could win the Manor 2 World Championship next year or certainly have a strong first half of the season. The market is completely open for 2025. If he starts strongly next year and looks like he's going to fight for the championship, well, he could maybe cherry pick the best rides out there. You know, he could find himself chased by every single manufacturer. So is it worth taking that plunge right now and, and, and sticking your neck on the line for a bike that's not competitive, could hurt you quite a lot. Got to say that, I mean, when you're 18 years of age and, and, and Repsol Honda, if they have come knocking, it must be a real conundrum for him to say no. But from a personal point of view, I, I think probably he's going to be best served sitting tight in Moto2 for another year, having a, building on this amazing one he's on right now. And then the offers will just come flooding in in 2025. If he carries on this kind of form, he'll be top of everybody's wanted list for 25. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. Um, just briefly, Matt, uh, to finish off today, um, it looks as though we're going to have a pretty weather complicated weekend here, possibly uh, rain forecast through tomorrow afternoon, uh, Saturday afternoon as well. We might have a wet sprint. Sunday, though, someone was telling me that they reckon it could be, could be okay for Sunday. But yeah, that complicates things, especially with the championship at stake. I think I heard Pekka Banyai talking to uh, one of the TV broadcasts earlier on. He said it's certainly going to spice things up and he was back on the money there. I mean, you know, when you look at in particular, because it looks like Betsek is out, out of the equation in terms of the championship, Banyai versus Martin, there's so much at stake. And then to have to deal with, you know, the tropical climate, which we know can be pretty problematic in Malaysia. And yeah, you're absolutely right, Neil. I mean, there are some pretty iffy forecasts around for Friday and Saturday. I heard Bang Yar as well say he expects it to be flag to flag here on Sunday. And oh, that doesn't half ramp up the tension for those guys. You know, for the riders and for the crews as well. I mean, it's a high pressure situation enough as it is if you're not completely, you know, getting a sore neck looking skywards to see what's coming down rain-wise. Of course, they've got recent experience in Mategi. Sepang traditionally I think is pretty grippy in the rain although there are parts of this track that's been resurfaced so that also again it just throws in that sort of little extra unknown an unknown that you just don't want to be dealing with at this at this stage of the season you, know, you just want everything to sort of run like clockwork run silky smooth and the whole weekend's dry you rock up Saturday for the sprint you rock up Sunday and it's a full full dry weekend but got to say I mean Sometimes my weather weather apps aren't that great <laughs> being back on the money, but at the moment, yeah, it looks like there's going to be a lot of rain here in Malaysia. Yeah, from a sort of professional point of view, I always have to make sure my notes are super stacked for this weekend because the chances of yeah. speaking over a session with no one out on track because either it's raining too heavily or because it's part wet, part dry and no one really wants to go out and take the risk is, is pretty high, pretty probable. We have at least one of those sessions usually during the weekend. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say that uh, this weekend's going to be no different. Yeah, in that scenario, it, it's just it's just the guys that are willing to, to push, stick their neck out and ultimately take take the big risk you know I mean I would not want to be in Bangyai or Martin's boots this weekend if if we get dodgy weather on, on all three days particularly on Sunday when it's the the full 25 points up for grabs but you know as I mentioned they handled the pressure pretty admirably in the wet conditions in Matagi and it's the same for everybody those guys just to have that well not a little bit more to lose than everybody else they have a lot more to lose because you know we could have a scenario where if if Bagnai DNS or Martin DNS this weekend the championship could get done and dusted in Qatar and of course from a purely neutral perspective I think we're all fingers toes and everything crossed that we we get a 
a nail-biting conclusion in Valencia in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Well, Matt Burt, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Paddock Pass podcast today. Thank you very much for your time and for your insights. Always worth listening to. It's a pleasure, Neil. Don't don't make me wait to, too long before I'm back on. No, no joking aside, obviously, uh, great respect for what uh, you guys do. And uh, hey to uh, Adam and David and uh, all the guys back in Europe. All right. Thanks very much, Matt. And uh, thanks as well to you, dear listener, for listening in today. We'll be back again tomorrow, as we always are. We'll be back again on Saturday and Sunday with another edition or with other editions of the Paddock Note Show, giving you updates and reactions uh, from the day's action here in Sepang. So until then, goodbye.